0: The intro came on intro music, and we were off by the end of that. When the MC's management just called, took called, called us off, and said, "For your own safety, you better
1: go home." I think.
2: Welcome. We are Neil,
1: Luke, and Dave.
2: Three forty-somethings reminiscing on the runners and riders of nineties guitar
1: music.
2: We look at the bands who soundtracked
3: our youth on both sides of the pond and interview some of our heroes from the bands that define
1: the generation. You'll hear about the good, the bad and the ugly of 90s guitar
2: music. This podcast is stupid and contagious. Right, hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Stupid and Contagious podcast. Uh, this week we're speaking to Adam Mole from Populi itself. Luke, it's just Luke on his own this time, which is a... Well done! Cheers. Yeah, it comes around quick. This doesn't it? Like I don't know, how we're <laughs> going to be able to sustain this for the rest of our lives. One well, a week, it's a lot, isn't it? it? just seems to seems to come around, doesn't it? We we'll have to have a break soon. No, you're locked in for the rest of your life. Uh, Luke, happy many happy yeah. returns for yesterday. Thank you very
3: much. Thank you. Yeah,
2: the, yeah. The big, the big four eight. Fuck off, forty seven. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought it was 48. Am I 46 then? <laughs> You're 46, man. I thought I was 47. Fuck.
1: <laughs> you got an extra year out of nowhere. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, what... man. Another year older.
2: What'd you get up to?
3: Potted around record shops all day, basically. Went record shopping. Shibuya, um, Shimakitazawa. Um, spent far too much money.
2: Um, yeah, had a good day. What did you buy? We won't know any of the names, will we, Probably.
3: <laughs> so, well, I I, find I got uh, a vinyl copy of uh, Copper Blue, Sugar. Oh, um,
1: nice. good.
3: Yeah, I good had have the on. CD back in the day, but... I've never had the vinyl, so that was pretty good. Uh, on the other 90s theme, I got um, Morgan, Morgan Nichols's from Since This Thing, since um, his solo album, um, Organized, nice. which or, should have been called good.
2: Morganized. We discussed it. It should before, have been. It? <laughs> Yeah.
3: I've um, got some more Nege Nege, some uh, Singeli oh, instrumental stuff. Um, it's really good. I've got a really cool um, record, a um, band called Quits. Um, Shout out to uh, my internet friend uh, Sayed who put me onto it. Um, really cool. I'm really not sure if they're German or Swiss or something. It's like a really cool kind of post punk sound. She's really great. Got some Japanese experimental um, stuff. Band called um, Goat. Uh, all lowercase case. Uh, yeah, load of stuff. Load of, load of good stuff.
2: Dave, what have you been listening to this
3: week? Pop will eat itself. Correct answer. Correct answer. Good answer.
1: Apart from that, well, we haven't started the, on the Christmas songs yet. Oh, it's too early for that. Come on, it's coming. Jeez, so I can't stop it? it. It's it's mm. just it's um, going to start soon.
3: Well, maybe we'll have a we'll have an episode on there. alternative Christmas songs.
2: Maybe we'll have a Wang on it. Christmas Wang, I say. Nothing else, Dave. Just pop. will eat yourself. Is it?
1: I was listening to the podcast playlist. Good plug. Another good answer.
2: It's all over it this week, right? PWEI Elite itself.
3: I think big pe- pe- people people say Pui. You fucking do, you're a Pui. <laughs> um it's another one that I'm a bit nervous about because um there's a lot of you knowledgeable people here. No, I don't. It's just the ones that are, that I know this you I know, know what you people mean. have know strong feelings. Mean. Gonna get the uh, the the Wikipedia version I'm afraid.
2: So But that's my that's my thing. I use Wikipedia, you use discogs.
3: Well, I use all well, yeah, I use lots it's of things right. basically. You well you yeah. can use it, it's fine. You're gonna fucking let me start. Go on then. Okay. Populate itself. So, I mean Gribo Incarnate, right? They they pretty much came up with the term and, and uh and went with it, right? Yeah, and they got a song or a couple of songs I think that that use the word.
2: Yeah. Gribo Guru.
3: Gribo Guru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, on the playlist yeah, already. Yeah. Uh well, I don't have to give a uh, a categorization because they do it for me. So we've got Intergalactic Punk Rock Hip Hop or the one that's on Wikipedia. Yeah, from, I've got uh, this one. Graham. This, on, is, my, this on. is
2: my bit from Graham Crow. Over to right? you. He describes their sound as electric punk alternative hip hop hybrid music for fucking fighting and smoking cigars.
1: It's pretty good except for the cigar bit. I didn't get that. The rest of it sounded spot on. Or well, it would have been better if it said cigarettes. I don't know. I just... Didn't think they smoked cigars.
3: Um, I'm with you. I don't, really, I don't really get that either. I mean, are they saying it's like, um, I don't
2: know. What are they saying? Yeah, it, it implies sort of... Decadence. Yeah. Graham Crabb, when he wrote this, probably didn't think that we were just going to pick apart the smoking cigars bit. <laughs> but, yeah, Sorry. explain yourself, Graham Crabb. What do you mean, yeah, smoking Crabb. cigars?
3: From Stourbridge, as um, a lot of the, the Grebo bands were. So also home to Wonderstaff and Ned's as well. Same town.
2: Uh, those two bands came out of the...
3: Oh, they were called From Eden.
2: That's it, From Eden.
3: So early 80s, basically. Um, as far as I can tell, kind of a punky kind of thing going on. They became popular itself in 1986. Um, yeah, so that, that yeah. first band, there were, yeah, members of the Wonder Stuff were in there. Uh, Miles Hunt and Malcolm from the Wonder Stuff, they went and made the Wonder Stuff. And then um, today's guest, Adam. Uh, and I think it was, uh, either Graham or Clint, um, yeah, made, made properly itself basically in 1986. So, I mean, he explains in the interview, so I won't go too much into it, but he kind of explains how they, they kind of changed from a kind of a a short, sharp, buzz cocky and kind of punk band, um, after seeing the Beastie Boys and started incorporating loads of different stuff, uh, into their sound, basically. Classic lineup. You got, um, Clint Mansell uh vocals, guitar, Graham Crab, um on everything basically, <laughs> doing loads of different stuff. Uh Adam uh Mole, guitars and keyboard, Richard March on the bass, and then later on uh Fuzz Townsend on the on drums and keyboards as well. So yeah, they That's kind right, of all did yeah. bits and pieces.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they're all sort of multi instrumentalists, weren't they really?
1: Yeah, just did whatever needed doing for that particular time, right? Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Have we covered, by the way, what the word "gribo" means, where it comes from?
2: Well, it's in the interview. He explains it. He explains it in the interview. Make it up, Dave. What would you, if you had to make it up? What would you say?
1: Well, it sounds like something that's a little bit grubby. What is it? God, tell us. Well, you have, you have to, to listen, listen to
2: the interview to find out. But, but
3: it. also, well, not properly. Also, there was another term that was going around at the same time, which is "fraggle rock," which is not also like trying to kind of say like the same kind of thing. I think like the Grebo bands were more like just the Stourbridge kind of lot and then like Fraggle Rock was kind of the kind of the wider bands that were similar but Fraggle Rock didn't really take off because
1: it's pretty shit. Good show. Yeah, I love the programme but to be called Fraggle Rock isn't it's an insult, right? I don't know. It doesn't really
3: mean anything does it? Fraggle.
1: It's like a little dig, isn't it?
2: Like a little furry thing, wasn't it?
3: (laughs) The Fraggles, yeah. Yeah. I used to have the 7-inch single of their the theme tune. Well, they they released a song, didn't they? The Fraggle Rock theme song. I used to have that one on 7-inch.
2: Well, if you've As got a boy. it, I did.
3: So I think they did eight albums, basically. Which is a lot, right? But they changed. We, again, we talk about in the interview, that they changed with every album pretty much, right? Whatever they fancied doing. Incorporated yeah. new
2: sounds, new ideas. Which is really cool. I mean, he speaks about it in the interview, but... Adam was sort of saying that that was kind of a, a conscious thing. They didn't want everything to just sort of sound the same. So they just made songs as they wanted to make them. And if it didn't fit with the one before, fuck it sort of thing. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, keep it, keep it fresh, you know. First album, Box Frenzy in 1987. Um, I think the next one is probably their biggest one. This is the day, this is the hour, this is this. as in 1989. That had Defcon 1 and Can You Dig It, Why is Up Sucker. All on that one, so that was kind of like the big breakthrough, and I think a lot of people's favourite maybe.
2: I like Wise Up Sucker. That's one of my fa- probably my favourite pop yourself song. I reckon it's a great song, right? It's really good. Yeah, yeah. That and it's been on our I think. Oh, there's a lot of good songs on that. That Dos Dig Dos Mis Amigos album. That's my favourite. Yeah yeah. That yeah, yeah, I like that. Album
3: yeah. Too. yeah. Um. So yeah. Cua for Sanity, 1990, Looks or the Lifestyle, 92. Yeah, and then, yeah, Dos Dedos, Mi Amigos, in 94, where they kind of changed labels and basically went industrial.
2: Which album's Total Nightmare at 20,000 feet? Have you listened to it? No, I don't think I have. It's just a great song. It's kind of just sort of questioning how how airplanes fly, pretty much.
3: Is it a bit like that... um, insane clown posse song where it's like um the 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 lyrics like magnets how the fuck do they work which everyone got it got like everyone took the piss out of them for that
2: but i'm like no seriously (laughs) how the fuck do they work i don't know
3: they're amazing but i still don't know how magnets work you know
2: so this is the first verse right so it's sweating on the top line at the airline check in not check out wish i could get the hell out this is no joke the thing could go up in smoke or plummet to the ground as a g force pulls us down.
1: So it's more about a fear of flying.
2: City to city, state to state, roasting coast to coast in a megaton freight crate. Quite See?
3: nice. Nicely done. Nice yeah, experience. I like it. I like it. But it sounds like, yeah, fear of flying rather than yeah.
2: Um, yeah, not yeah,
3: understanding yeah. the mechanics of it. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's good, though. It's a good tune.
3: I like your version. Thanks. <laughs>
2: A lot of political stuff.
3: Um, so the, the track they did with The Prodigy, again, well, I won't talk about it because it's all in the interview. Um, ich bin ein Auslander, the kind of anti, anti-immigration anti song, which is you know ridiculously relevant today. Uh, broke up in 96. Different members went on to do different things. Um, for example, Fuzz Townsend went on to do Bentley Rhythm Ace, who I'm a big fan of, um, yeah. and be on telly and all kinds of stuff, right? That's that thing where mm. he does up cars. Yeah. Clint um is by far the most successful he went to Hollywood and does film scores film scores for like yeah, huge well. Hollywood films basically does wow. a lot of work for Darren Aronofsky who is um who I really like his stuff so yeah he, he did um, requiem for a dream he did black swan he did, basically did all of Darren Aronofsky's films yeah oh,
2: he did wow. requiem for a dream i didn't know that yeah i'm pretty sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That film's fucked up.
3: Ben Wheatley filmed as well. If you've seen High Rise and a few other of his, just really, really yeah. good stuff. Have you stuff. seen Requiem yeah. for a Dream?
1: Long time ago. Quite harrowing. Pretty fucking much. I think that's got quite a memorable uh, film score as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, there was one track from it, uh, Lux uh, Eternia, which I, I put on the playlist, which became yeah. almost like a hit, <laughs> which is weird yeah, for like yeah. a, a film score, right? <laughs> Reformed in 2011. Uh, they released a couple of albums uh, since then, one in 2011 and one in 2015. Um, they also released an unreleased album that they'd done back in the day, but didn't get put out because their, their label dropped them. Um, so they kind of did a post-humorously release one of those. Um, and yeah, and now they're back and um, yeah, putting out like bits and pieces of new music and touring and, um,
2: yeah, seem to be having a good time. I said there might be some new stuff on the way, but... Um... Have you listened to that Anti-Nasty League album?
3: Not all of it. Some of it, yeah.
2: It's pretty good. I had to listen this week. It's definitely um, very popularly itself. They've, they've got right. such a distinctive sound, haven't they?
1: So is Clint still in the band? Well, listen to,
3: listen to the interview. Don't give any spoilers away. Well, I have listened to the interview.
2: You keep saying that, but you don't know anything Well, then why about the fuck
3: the did you ask that question? If you, if you listened to the interview, you wouldn't have asked that question.
2: Just admit you haven't seen it. It's fine. You've it's listened been. to the wrong interview. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to the interview more than once. You've been one. watching Lighthouse family interviews. <laughs> Which interview did you listen to?
1: The Adrian Mole one.
2: <laughs> Adrian Mole, <laughs> one. mistake.
1: Man, I told you. Dave does the comedy names. He does it
3: well.
2: He does it well. So they had that producer Flood that seemed to have had a massive influence on their sound. You can definitely sort of hear elements of Nine Inch Nails in their production in those, those albums. But they were, kind, they were kind of pioneers of early sampling, weren't they? With people like The Prodigy, Mars, Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers. You know.
3: <laughs>
2: Come on, They're everybody. the big
3: three. Oh, man, I loved Jive Bunny. I couldn't believe it when it came out. It was just incredible.
2: It was just all your favourite songs in a in a song. It had a lot of hits. Yeah, at least three. <laughs> but they can't have made any money, though, can they? Because they must have had to pay for all the copyrights.
3: I mean, well, what would a rabbit have spent it on anyway?
2: I mean, they probably made money on their T-shirts.
3: You went to Glastonbury, everyone was in a Jive Bunny
1: T-shirt.
2: Were they? <laughs> no. They were probably in Hyperglow t-shirts.
1: What is the worst colour for showing sweat? Is it black or white?
2: Why? Do you, are you asking because you need to know? or
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Or Unless you're Prince Andrew, I
2: suppose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not an issue. No. Wow. <laughs> uh, we, we touched briefly on Dos Deidos Mes Amigos. Bit of a,
3: a bit of a, an industrial kind of edge thing going on, but it just yeah, kind it of just gave a it... Bit harder. Yeah, it just gave it a bit more like heft, I think. Their sound, yeah, you
2: know, I agree. It sounded more, mm, I really like a bit more, bit more ballsy, maybe. I don't know, mm. but it's a great a bit album. Cooler when we yeah. went to see them, that's when they released that album as well. And when wasn't it, because we saw them at the Essential Festival, right? That's right,
1: yeah, that festival, where we saw everything.
2: Good job, we went to that festival, we had nothing to talk about.
1: I mean, it was pretty essential, wasn't it? But I remember that, that gig, I didn't enjoy it, like, because. I was in the, oh, yeah. I yeah. Was yeah. In the mosh Same. pit and it was so. I've just hadn't experienced anything like it. It was like being on a trampoline with a thousand people or something, just flowing <laughs> all over the place.
2: Imagine being on a trampoline with a thousand people. Well, it
1: was like it, that's
2: what it was like. Have you been on a trampoline with a thousand people?
1: No, I like them, but it was just I hadn't experienced anything like that.
2: Yeah, to be fair, if that's your first experience of a mosh pit, it's probably not the best way to eat yourself in. Well,
1: it wasn't, but it was just the most intense, and it happened to be that music. I I don't know why.
2: It's quite intense music with all the sampling and beats and stuff. It is quite intense. It's quite tribal, isn't it, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, before I made my, um, my hilarious jive bunny comment, it was a kind of serious point. They were kind of pioneers of that of sampling, really, around that time.
3: Uh, I don't know. I mean, sampling had been around a little Not while. Not pioneers, but,
2: I mean, it, but do you know, mm. in the indie scene, I guess there wasn't much of that about in the in the UK indie scene. I don't think. Even in doing that, they didn't really separate themselves from bands like Neds and that. They still, you could, you could put those two on a tour and it would be fine. You know, if, if they weren't yeah. of that off the wall.
3: One thing like. Like getting ready for this this podcast, they've got a lot of really good songs.
2: Yeah, brilliant.
3: It's kind of forget about it, right? They've just got like yeah. a whole it's like, like banger after banger after banger, just like really really good songs.
2: Favorite popular itself tune. I've already said uh, "Wise Up Suckers" probably mine.
1: Um, Dave, I'm gonna you know my usual predictability, but I think Ich Bin Ein Auslander is my favorite. But that is, like, the favourite one on Spotify as well.
2: I think we got, obviously, the Reddit group. (laughs) They hate us there anyway. But if ever you mention, like, your favourite song is, like, one of the big ones, they fucking go for you on there. (laughs) They really do. I I I dare you say that. They're like rabid dogs. Yeah, but what if it is the best one? Sometimes it is, do you know what I mean?
3: No, you've got to keep indie credibility. That's fine.
2: Oh, not really. Like Alice in Chains, my favourite song is probably Wood. Do you know, But it's their biggest hit. But it's Oh, you're so fucking pathetic, song. man. If your favourite <laughs> tune is
3: Wood, you're not really an Alice in Chains fan, actually. God. Well, this is
2: exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, that, that's, what it, that's how it goes. And, you're like, right, and that's, that's how they speak out. as well. And then I, you know, I have to say it's something else that's not your favourite.
3: Yeah, but that's, that's what people do all the time. They all pretend to be cooler than they are, don't they? There's nothing, you know. That's what you get for, with me, you
1: know. I never do that. But you've crafted your persona to get away with it. Yeah, for a long time, many years now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
2: but Ich bin ich ein Auslander is a fucking great tune. Oh, it's incredible.
3: Although it's not their biggest hit. So their biggest hit is uh, was uh, Get the Girl Kill the Baddies, which got num- to number nine. Mm. And I remember going to buy it. I bought it in Dunn's.
2: We love Dunn's, didn't we?
3: To explain to the uh, to the listeners. Dunn's was pretty much the only record shop in, in Seaford in the town where where we live. Dingy fucking, like, carpet, like, sticky carpet on the floors. So it's a yeah. dingy little shop, basically. But they got, like, all all the indie hits in and no one bought them. So if you waited, like, a month, they'd reduce them down to, like, 25p for the mm. cassette singles, right?
2: Yeah, I bought so, a lot of stuff in
3: there. Yeah. So I bought Get the Girl, Kill the Baddies from there for, like, I think, like, 25p or something like that, but I'm not putting that as my favourite because I'm I've crafted a persona as an indie nerd, so I can't I can't.
2: Yeah, what is it? G- give us something really really obscure. No, I'm not going to. My
3: my real favourite though is is um everything's cool from uh, yeah it's a
2: good tune the
3: dusty yeah. dos me amigos album. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, just, it's just a cool song, you know. All right, should we go into the interview, Dave? Do you want to introduce it? No. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, I'll do. it. <laughs> <laughs> fairly, is Here's Adam mole from Pop Elite itself. Enjoy
3: Hi, Adam. thanks so much for coming on. um how are things in general? They're fine mate, yeah um
0: we've got some gigs coming up in uh may uh
3: middle of may so the whole, the whole year seems to be I uh, saw in August and
0: yeah oh, no, I, a, don't I don't know yeah we've found out that there's no point really doing sort of weekdays though so we generally just do stuff like thursday maybe occasionally but friday and saturdays because like a lot of our sort of old fans being inverted commas i think they were <laughs> like university students and that and probably just got together for university and would come and have a great time at the gigs and i think a lot of people meet up and they could be all around the country so they they like to come and have a, a weekend or a hotel and stuff like that when we play. So I think right. we found out generally that doing Monday, Tuesdays in particular are, are not really great days for for getting people to come out, really. That's
3: interesting. We're, we're, That's we're, not we're, just, we're, just the band. So it's the audience themselves. They've got kids and stuff, so it's difficult for them to, to get out in the weeknights.
0: Well, just like, you know, I think everyone likes a Friday and a Saturday, don't they? I've obviously got uh, family work, commitments and stuff like that. so. I think, you know, a lot of people get together and uh, just make a, a weekend of it or at least a big Friday and a big Saturday. Yeah. So we we generally do that, really. Yeah. Right. It just, it just right. means we get more people in and it, it works for the promoter, it works for us. It's just, you know, yeah. much better yeah. for everybody involved. No one yeah. wants to lose anybody, you know, promoters don't. And it costs quite a lot to put us on the road because there's six of us in the band. We all live across the country. We still like to have excuse me, we still like to have um, a sound engineer and a monitor, uh, sorry and a lighting guy you know we still like to sort of light ourselves uh, so we look maybe 10 years younger than we do but, uh, <laughs> and we have a road guy as well, you know plus none of us like to drive so uh, with a sort of tour manager kind of thing as well that, that's like 10, 11 people on the road, so it's not yeah. cheap to put a gig on really.
3: No, no.
0: So, you know, promoters don't want to lose money putting you on on a Monday. So we've learned that a little bit. So yeah. that's what we do. Sounds yeah, like a good way to do it. The yeah. yeah, the gigs for the year are generally weekend gigs. So that's good.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, this is supposed to be a podcast about 90s music, but the origins um, of pop, they go right back to the start of the 80s, right? Can you tell us about how it, the band came about?
0: sort of not really popular itself well start of the 80s we were in a band called from eden with uh, <laughs> miles and malcolm out the wonder stuff and me and Clint, right, yeah had a will eat itself so that was our first band or my and clint's band, first band anyway and then mm-hmm. um that went on a bit like glammy wearing makeup and stuff like that you know we did all right locally uh, we had a bit of a following i'd always get a coach friends and stuff which sort of built and so Again, promoters were quite like that because we'd always come with 40 people wherever we played, you know.
3: Right. It's like, like, we what, like Slade? Is it like that? Is it like no,
0: well, that a bit of... more heavy, but we, well, more to do with wearing makeup, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was that sort of new, just after new romantic kind of time as well. Right, you know? of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And wearing sort of big, white, flowery shirts and things like that, you know, so... Leather yeah. coats with fringes, you know, and stuff like that. So, sure. And then we sort of had our musical differences, I think. Uh, and then so me and Clint left with Graham, who had joined by them. And then we formed this band, Wilder Wondering, which was just a uh, a brief thing named after our, one of our favourite albums by a band called Wasted Juice, who have just reformed as well. Strange? they really? Yeah.
3: They, their, and legacies they, really last few years. Their legacies really started to kind of come under new analysis, right? Wasted Youth. There
0: are two club bands called Wasted Youth. This is the London one. So yeah, mm. they're sort of post-punk. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
3: yeah, yeah, they've kind of been reevaluated. They're, re-
0: right? they're playing some festivals now and stuff and doing really I well. I'm glad to see their first league. they were amazing, but they sort of were what made us. They made us turn a little bit to change the kind of music we wanted to do. So. They a massive influence on us. That one yeah. lasted for about a year, which we... And then we started playing more sort of Buzzcocks, Ramones, Undertones type sort of very short, fast guitar pop. Yeah. And then we saw the Beastie Boys around 86 or something right. like that. You saw them and live? We yeah. we all, all four of us went to see them at Birmingham Odeon.
3: Was that the infamous kind of uh, weather? Uh, Daily Mail had them on the front page. And was that that tour with
0: the It was the That was yeah when like someone threw it they threw a can back into the crowd, didn't they? They got lots of cans thrown at them in Liverpool. Saw, like,
3: all that dancing box. girls in cages and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah,
0: right. that's right. Yeah, we weren't interested in that. We no. a, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah we sort of we came we got split up in the gig because it was uh we all went out and we just we looked at well, we had a, we had a whole tour booked at this point in about a month. We just looked at each other and said we're shit. All four of us said we're It was this new kind of style. And so we had about maybe a month, six, six weeks maybe to write. And we decided we were just gonna change from this stuff. Wow. And that tour was a bit of a disaster in a way because we were still having to do some of the old stuff and some of this new stuff that we we're really into. Yeah. So that tour got was a little bit it knocked us back a little bit, uh, because we were beginning to do quite well in the indie charts, but mm. uh, but then we went back in the studio and like from there on we just started doing sort of. Graham gave up drumming and started singing with Clint at the front, and that was it. Really, we've sort of then just embraced technology, samplers, and stuff like that. And yeah, so really we're, we're talking
3: back. late eighties. Yeah, this late, that like, was very oh, early stuff. for sampling.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I think
0: it's about eighties. About 87, I think we probably saw the Beastie Boys. I think 88 was our first mm. album, Box Frenzy, or our yeah. first. And then, yeah, yeah 89. 87, the, the Box Frenzy album was a little bit, again, it was that changeover period. So there's probably about eight songs how we wanted them to be, but we still had to find another four, which we probably wouldn't have put on if we'd have had, say, another two months. The okay. 89 album, <laughs> This Is The Day, This Is The Hour, mm. This Is This. Is the yeah. what first album we had where it was exactly how we wanted it and you know? right. we it
3: right,
0: yeah, yeah. So that's also, sort of how we got to into the towards the nineties anyway.
3: But that's I mean that's a lot of changes already, right? <laughs> yeah, we like to change,
0: and I think we've changed. The second yeah. album after the change was Yeah, Gear for Saturday, which didn't really have any played guitars on either. So mm. that album, and then we brought guitars back. So we we used to like to re- change with every album, really. Yeah, and like great. with every album, we try to make songs different as well, which sometimes doesn't work, really. Some people would like an album to be cohesive and all sort of sound, like it's by the same band. But we'd like to just chuck something in, you know, yeah. playing on lots and pans if that's what we wanted to do, you know. Well, it works like, right. well. It like that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I we saw, just like to change. I saw it was, um, I, saw, I was watching an interview from the early 90s and the, the sound was described as intergalactic hip-hop punk rock. Do you think that's a, a good description? Well, it's a line like... out of our song. It, I think it's yeah. supposed to be intergalactic punk
0: rock hip-hop, actually. Okay, so yeah, I've, sorry. Whoever wrote yeah, that yeah, yeah. probably got it slightly wrong. But, yeah, something like that. Yeah. All of us have sort of come from the punk kind of new wave scene. That's our sort of, you know, we like music before, probably when we were fifteen, but, like, Generally around fifteen, sixteen. That's the music. So that what means. were
3: you listening to? i like, listening um, to them.
0: When, when, when my, well, yeah, I was probably listening to whatever my brothers had at the time. So that would be Led Zeppelin and, and the Rolling Stones. But then, uh, my one of my brothers started playing the Pistols album. And the Saints as well. The Saints. Yeah. I'm stranded. I remember. Stranded, by the Saints, I was going to
3: say, which, say, great tune,
0: man. She must have played a million times over and over again. It just seeped through my bedroom wall.
3: Never gets old, though. Yeah.
0: And, um, and then the Stranglers' first album as well. Yeah So those are the first two things that I really got into. Yeah. So you've got X-ray Specs Strangler. t-shirt on today. So My son bought me this for my birthday. Yeah. Brilliant. So it's my first wear of it. <laughs> but yeah, so I saw X-ray Specs. So I didn't know. When, um i think that the, the third band i ever saw x-ray specs so yeah
3: oh, well, I, how old would you have been there
0: i didn't get into punk until really 78 it was 1978 that gig was so when i started that the first gigs i went to in 1978 wow. when i was um 16 is that yeah no, when i was
3: 16. yeah great yeah right well what i yeah i've seen live uh Old footage of x rays just the intensity of their performance, right? It's just amazing. It comes through on this, on the video. Yeah,
0: well, that's what made us be, want to be in a band, really. I mean, like I said, the bands like The Clash told you that anybody could play, you know, just go and pick up an instrument. So unless you're going to be practising in your bedroom and become a virtuoso, like and play with Yes or somebody like that, you, <laughs> you know, that punk gave us an excuse to go and do it. And like I said, Wasted Youth again, when I first saw them, Mm -hmm. you know, I played played like samplers and keyboards, really, but not the sort of piano style, nor the just sort of holding down sort of samples and TV dialogue and phrases Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But like the the keyboard player in Wasted Youth, Nick, um, he used to sort of pick up his keyboard a little bit and sort of move like that. And he just seemed quite cool. Whereas beforehand, the idea of playing a keyboard just, wouldn't have appealed, so right. yeah. he gave yeah. me the thought that maybe you can be cool playing a keyboard, so yeah. that's sort of what and then I played guitar for a while, but I phased guitar out now a little bit, so I don't okay. play anymore, <laughs> oh, so really, you, I played up to about three or four years ago, but suddenly realised that basically the guitars just copy each other, so um, I just allowed me to put more samples on stuff, so... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, whereas back in the day when I used to do both yeah. samplers, the memory in the first samplers would only give you I don't know fifteen seconds or something. So oh wow, yeah. Or I you had to sort of reload floppy disks, and that would take five minutes, which you couldn't really do mid set. No, no, no. But now obviously you can just you get a, you can have hours of samples, so I can play a lot more live now. Yeah.
3: Um, I guess, also, I, I guess it was, like, tri- it was like it's like the the wild west of sampling back then right there was no nobody knew what the rules were did well, you have any no. kind of legal problems with that kind of stuff
0: we didn't well you see most people did and most people credited stuff on their records and cleared it for us we never did so we have been done a couple of times but then we were on rca i mean now if we're doing stuff now we'll be a lot more careful because you know we haven't got a record company behind us but we just never used to tell rca that it was obvious but we got the undone for the Twilight Zone in Def Con One. I think they took. I think it was fifty percent or more. They took on the on the songwriting of that, even though it's a little just a little bit in the middle. Yeah, but you know, fair enough. It was a fair cop, really. But <laughs> it yeah. does sound good. Yeah, yeah we could have got done a lot more. Hopefully, we don't.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. You talked talk about uh, RCA so you signed to RCA like major label I mean how was that did it feel like you were going places
0: it was it was good but we were starting to do well with um, chapter 22 which was our manager Craig Jennings his label beforehand but like it just seemed you know it just helped you up you know you got a better video you got to sleep in hotels that weren't damp and stuff like that and they just pay for tour support as well so you could uh better engineers and more lights really we've always tried to put on a good show with lights and i think we always have we still use the same guy now oscar who did our lights like you know so he sort of built with us you know now he does different stuff and that but like we all come from the same early geeks together so that would all cost money you know traveling around with lights you know so it just made things easier i know a lot of people but, you know you should remain independent and stuff like that but um the court we just got called towards maybe a bit of extra comfort yeah, so, <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. no yeah. i mean we signed to call to marshall as well as as well he was an r guy and we loved him and he was great you know and we got flood to produce the first two albums oh, wow. yeah, which flood probably you know probably not he'd have probably done it actually because he does do independent stuff, but we've probably yeah. not got the context to get in with people like that, you know. So yeah, record yeah. major record does help you with stuff like that. Yeah. And obviously the designers Republic, you know, just better artwork and stuff like that. Although he did yeah. start on Def Con One, which is a single before we signed to RCA, he did the artwork on that. It just seemed more comfortable, and we probably sold out as far as some people were concerned. But you know, <laughs> yeah. that was it, you know. And we, like I said, we did always uh, admire and respect our A&R guy at RCA. He was always brilliant with us. A, a, we a to yeah Top RCA, He signed us to his new label, Infectious, in nineteen ninety-four, I think. Okay. So we followed him to his own label that he um ran for Mushroom Records. Yeah. I think we we're on. With, we we're on with Ash. And garbage and stuff like that were his first three bands, I think. So wow. and that's still going now and doing well, I think. So yeah, yeah. We signed to a major, but we signed to someone we really liked and respected, and he always supported us. So it yeah. felt almost independent
3: as well. Uh-uh, man, you don't you don't have to justify it. So it's, <laughs> you know no, i don't, it no. Well, You know, I told you yeah. we we were talking to Ben from the Senseless Things. They signed to Epic and all of that. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: I think it it's a sort feel... of dream you know to like yeah. When I was a punk rocker, I, I, you went off bands when they got too popular. You know, Adam and the Ants, I used to love, and then like, it got oh. popular. I still loved them actually. But no,
3: that's my first together. ever concert, was, you know. I was, uh, that was my first ever yeah. concert. I think I was about six years old, but uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah
0: when, go on, they, go on. when you're into punk rock and an old bugger like me, like at the time, when they got too popular, it was a bit of a, know people didn't like you signing to a major and i think that that sort of feeling was still around about the late eighties you know but Mm, mm. i think when it got
3: into the 90s i think people seemed a bit more comfortable with it right yeah i think it probably
0: did yeah i think it's just a a punk ethic do it yourself and independence and stuff like that which i still you know it's great if you can do it on your own a lot of people do now you know because well major companies don't really give um, advances anymore you know they used to give you like so much to help you basically live for yeah. for a year, you know, or whatever. Yeah. As long as you put an album out every year. So that's a, that was another thing about Met of Rables, you sort of had to get an album written every year, an album put out and toured every year, you know. Yeah. So right, right, she'd so right, have right. this contract that was a bit tricky sometimes because obviously you get years potentially to write your first album and then as soon as that yeah. one's toured, <laughs> they want a new one and you think, well, yeah. I ain't had a chance to write it yet.
4: Yeah, Especially with yeah. the
0: technology we use, and we only had one port of studio. We had to, Gray and keep used to share it one weekend, they'd take it. So we didn't have like, loads of cash to sort because of the technology. Everything was really expensive then to so supply yeah. a sample. Yeah. I think it was two or three thousand pounds, you know, one oh, with wow. a decent memory. Yeah. So back then, that was a lot. So yeah. what would yeah, yeah, you'd have yeah, yeah. one and you'd share it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I been... Gray lived in London and we still lived up here. So right it was yeah. hard to, harder to write it wasn't just an acoustic guitar on the back of your transit van anymore do you know what i
3: mean sure sure um we've been interviewing quite a few bands from like the Gribo scene of the early 90s did you feel kind of part of any scene like that where you good mates with any of any of the bands yeah
0: the a time? little bit i mean you know i think we came up with the grebo i think although it's an old term because someone yeah. when me and Clint, me and Clint used to go and see I'm writing about it. I'm writing a book at the moment. But oh, great. Just book one. I'm writing a second one, and I'm just writing about that this week, that the Grebo thing come from we were in the cinema, and Clint stood up and some bloke said, sit down, you greasy Grebo, or something, and like, so we wrote a song called Oh, Grebo, I think, I love you, and um, it's sort of, the press just took on the on the word, really. Mm. I think you've dressed similar to Crazy Head and Gay Bikers on Acid with that kind of leather trousers, the leather jacket kind of vibe died. Yeah. Hair. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's a bit of a lazy thing, but you know, we embraced it and don't know, crazy, at so much, but we played with the bikers a few times. Obviously, Mary out the biker sings with us now, you see. Now, because yeah. Clint, obviously, I, well, I don't know if you know, but Clint, uh, one of the main singer, one of the two yeah. main singers with Gray, he doesn't do it anymore with us. And uh, But Mary, does Clint's parts at the Gay Bikers, yeah. so oh, wow. yeah, we've we've always been friends to a degree. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Um, can I ask about the uh, the ill-fated Def Jam tour with the Public Enemy uh, on DMC? I mean, yeah. First of all, I mean, how that did that must... come about? I mean,
0: um, I think I think their record like we just wanted a, a, a they wanted a, a UK band on, maybe they were thinking it wouldn't sell. As well, and I thought maybe we'd sell a few tickets. I don't know, but yeah, it was a bloody nightmare to tell the truth. The two because we started in Brixton, two nights both sold out, and it was just uh pretty horrendous, really. We went on and just people were chucking stuff at us, they were chucking like umbrellas, newspapers set on (laughs) fire. We had a a banger firework chucked at us. Um, a bag of mint Imperials loads of cash the road is made enough for fags for the old tour. <laughs> uh, there was so much stuff on that stage we just got howled off so we oh, did I wow. think we, due to play seven we got through five I think we had to do it again next day we cut the set till to four I think we did about three but the What? Broke them all was Clint because Clint and Gray did extra running around at that because a big stage with no like equipment on really popular, of my guitar and bass and because obviously uh. most bands were, there was no other there's no drum kits so I, but they ran around more than not, usual trying to avoid being hit by stuff. And I remember Rich was <laughs> a banger landed by Rich's foot so he played the rest of the set behind his bass and with just his head sticking out. Okay, no. But wow. then Rich was running around so much that he like went flying over one of the monitors and he went really really heavy on the ground and like that the whole, there's like over 5,000 people, isn't it, Vixen Academy? The whole crowd just went up absolutely mad and we're just laughing. And it sort of broke the ice because I think I just thought, oh, (laughs) they're a comedy turn after all, they're not trying to steal (laughs) our music by rapping a little bit. So, and I think we just about got through four songs that But then we went to Belgium, we thought it might be better in Mm. Belgium, but the boys over there were all real sort of b-boys and that and they were spitting at us so oh, wow. went back to the punk days that we just got to yeah, say yeah so and then the fourth day we thought we'd do our game germany we just done a tour germany we did all right and we got through the uh the intro came on intro music and we were off by the end of that <laughs> <laughs> so much like abuse that they the uh when the called took, called called us off and said for your own safety you better go home i think wow that was a bit mad because we we're going to do a whole year so the crew were all booked so we had a tour buses the hotels and everything were yeah. all booked. again thank god we we're on rca because otherwise we'd have been right probably, right, right yeah a support, bankrupt and had to finish so that's so a we, good thing about having a tour support you know yeah but you know it's we sold a few t-shirts at that Germany gig about like, <laughs> 30 just for the intro. And there you go. The next Public Enemy single that was like, the cover was newspaper reports of us, one of which says Poppy's throwing off uh, Def Jam tour and stuff. So we quite like that, that. We got yeah. on that Public yeah, Enemy yeah. Uh, single sleeve anyway. Yeah, but no, it yeah. was quite frightening. Yeah, it must deep, have been a relief, I guess. I the second night going on at... Uh, and I was just sat there thinking, uh, I wanted to be in a band to be cool and have a great time. It felt like I was sat outside the headmaster's office, waiting to be <laughs> canned or something. <laughs> you know <what> I mean?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Um, it's interesting. Um, you, I mean, uh, you had like a top ten hit, right? Get the girl, kill the baddies. Um, great. Yeah, challenge. when we were kicked off, Aussie. Oh, we were the only.
0: We'd just been kicked off when the single was coming out and it went in at number nine. Yeah, I think it was some kind of fluke thing. Is with us, our records would generally go in the top 40s because yeah. we had like a, a, a cold following, really. Yeah, but they'd mm-hmm. never go up. I don't I think we went up once, even if we played okay. top, top of the pop three would generally fall back down. So we never really had a what I'd call a radio hit. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, we never got. But on the playlist by radio one yeah. uh the, the the nighttime djs would play us a bit but you know like a lot of other bands would have like a big hit at least you know but it made them a sort of um like a, a name in most people's houses you know yeah people, people yeah. would have at least heard you but you know everyone would still say pop will who if we said who we were yeah but that was sort of good i think it gave us longevity in a way I, it sounds like I'm just saying this, but um I think people liked the fact that we were they we were their band, you know, yeah people yeah, yeah, yeah. seem to really like us or not really
3: bother that much with us, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, me uh, and, and Neil and the other bloke Dave, we were, you know, we we're all into well, that whole scene, right? So, yeah, we we loved it and seeing you on top of the pops, eagerly awaiting uh, to hear the word motherfuckers at uh primetime TV. Yeah, we changed. It. we had to
0: change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We had to change that. Yeah, I mean, back back in those days, well, you wouldn't have got away with that anyway. No, <laughs> no, close, no. But back in. I mean, when we put Defcon One out, we had to change to get any radio play. We had to change the word Big Mac because it was advertising. So right. yeah. I think we had to do something quick. I think they just cut the word Mac out and on the on the tape and turned it rounds. So people think we're saying Big One or, or all these things. Yeah. I don't think we actually did anything. Just yeah, we didn't have time. We had to get this stuff. They want Radio One said we really like the track. We'd really like to play, it, but we're not playing it because of Big Mac. So I think they turned a little bit of tape, just cut it out, turned it round and glued it back in. So it doesn't actually say anything. It's just a big or something like a backwards <laughs> thing. Uh, and then, like, there's, I think there's there's the word ass in Wise Up Soccer with the verse, and they wouldn't play that because right. it said the word ass in it. You know, and then Radio 1, so many years, like I had a number one which said the word ass about Forty times in it, you know. Right, right. Check, keep yeah. checking that ass, that one, you know. That right, a, right, a, right. Massive Radio One hit. So yeah. we, we just, we just, we got no timing. We hadn't, you know? <laughs> just as we sort of split up, Radio One started playing Indian sort of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. British music and stuff there like that. First time Yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
3: But, you yeah. Know,
0: I've got no complaints, I'm still here.
3: (laughs) When you're on Top, I I used to be obsessed with Top of the Pops. Um, Do you remember who else was on when you were playing?
0: Uh, Kylie, I think, Duran Duran. Um, Did you speak to Kylie? uh...
3: (laughs) Yes, I have, yes. Oh, you've got to tell us about the Come On, Come On.
0: Not so much there, Um, not so much. I've met her before at at a festival in Ireland. Okay, and um, people know this. My wife uh, knows this because she was there. Uh, it was the Fela Festival in Cork, and we were playing. I think it was a good line. I think the Stone Roses, I think Prodigy, Blur, maybe I can't remember exactly. But um, Nick Cave was playing, and he just had a number one with yeah, Kylie yeah, yeah. with "Where right. Red Roses Something." Yeah, so yeah. she was doing that track. And she looked sort of really lost backstage. And we had like porter cabins. And she was just hanging around because it was like a big indie alternative thing. And I'd had a few, it must be said. And I just <laughs> went over and said, uh, Hey, Kylie, you rock or something. Something <laughs> ridiculous. And she started talking to me. And like five minutes, I was just, it was just me and her chatting. Like five minutes went wow. on, 10 minutes went on, 15 minutes went on. I could, see, I could see my wife in the background looking over. <laughs> <laughs> oh my guys you better have a word, over there. Yeah. You better go. And so she'd come over and introduce yourself and kind of pissed off. But there you go. That's my little story. That's great. Was <laughs> well, she as lovely as she seems? She was really sweet and she was just humoring me because I was a rather pissed, you know. I'm there in my shorts and my stupid hat <laughs> and going, you, Rock, you're great. Like, you know, and like just chatting because we've been to Australia quite a bit. I said, I've seen your house on the boat on Sydney, it? i was just probably just being ridiculous but she was really sweet actually yeah and i i know damn well she didn't fancy me but i find it <laughs> quite my wife still thinks she must have done if she was talking what could, to it me been, I, what could have it been eh? what could have been my wife hasn't spoke to me for more than 15 minutes in her life so if someone talks <laughs> to me for more than 15 minutes you know <laughs> something must be going on but no she was great yeah, I yeah. Bet, actually i was so happy <laughs> still was i like, then when she went i went in the dressing room stole her flowers and were handing them out to the because the army were there obviously it was still quite late uh late um in the sort of what would it be about 90. so was, like mm. armed like police mm. was there, and i was mm. handing out Mm-mm. these flowers to anyone who had a gun <laughs> uh, that just sort of says what
3: kind of brilliant what kind of <laughs> how I was. So it's
0: it was That's great yeah. it's
1: great
3: um you talked at the beginning about how your sound changed a lot um through the 80s and then in the mid-90s, you kind of took on a more kind of industrial sound. I mean, how did that come about? Um, What were you, what were you listening to and all of that? Well,
0: I suppose 9-inch now. Well, because 9-inch now signed us in America to their label. Yeah, we signed to, yeah. like I said, when when uh, RCA dropped us, which is the right word to use. Nothing was, right? But that was more of a sort of Britain, Europe, Australia thing. Thinking... Um, In America we signed to sort of uh, sort of interscope but Mm. via and then it was but uh, we were signed to nothing records which was Trent's label. Or and so we were actually signed for two two albums, but obviously we split up before the second one Mm. came out. Mm. So Trent was really into us, he always had been and he came to see us at a really early gig when the stars were just really just setting up then. And Uh, um Also, we did a gig in Toronto where 90 Nails and Soundgarden Mm. headlined this massive outdoor gig, and they were both allowed to invite two of their two bands they wanted to play with them. And we were one of obviously Inch Nails, so we were quite close, really. Amazing. So I think that sort of just came off us going to America. I don't know, I wouldn't say that it was something that we thought about going, we're now going to try and break America because Trent Reznor likes us. Mm. It wasn't really like that. But I think we just sort of got into a little more industrial. I don't think it's massively industrial. I mean, nah, you no, know, true, true. Like, you yeah. uh, know, Horribilis off the album and mm-hmm. Home and Babylon and stuff like that, which aren't. So we still had that kind of – Yeah. But sort of most albums sounded like we were just crossing over from something to something else, I think, which we kind of quite like that kind of thing. We, we like the fact that there's different songs on there. But I think that came about from, from that, really, yeah. Go yeah. to America and seemed like a little bit, it felt like maybe Britain and Europe was stagnating a little, you know, we're playing the same kind of gigs, the same amount of people, but whereas like mm. in America we was building, and we did we did um, um 90 stars did a massive sort of American tour, probably 70 gigs or something like that all across. Mm. And the West Coast. They had Marilyn Manson play with them, and then the East Coast, they they had us play. So we both did about thirty, thirty-five. Gigs oh wow! On did
3: you get to hang out? I saw. Well, Marilyn Manson was on the same label, right? I mean, did you get to hang out?
0: We've done gigs with them before, actually. A couple of gigs because, again, it was like they were they were on nothing as well. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. Sure, yeah. but I'm sure they're all like. Yeah, they were. So yeah, it was yeah. Like we've yeah. done gigs. We've done a gig with Nine and Marilyn Manson a few times. Yeah. So yeah, we used to be that we used to be quite friendly with them. Marilyn Manson and, and Trent's uh Van yeah.
3: yeah, it just seemed like a otherworldly kind of thing when when they came out right, Marilyn Manson. It's just uh... Yeah,
0: I mean they sort of suddenly took over sort of Trent's sort of you know, the nine Inch nails kind of yeah. thing for a yeah. little bit really. They probably you know, which um uh, sort of Oh, yeah, well they got they got really big, yeah. They, just after that, uh, just after that tour that we did. Yeah. Okay. But you know, yeah. apparently we we were going down better than Marilyn Manson did, and then their next record just went still, you Yeah. So I think yeah. that's maybe why we were sort, we were starting to, just before we split up, they wanted us to move to America, uh, mm. so and and live there and just work there, but uh, just things weren't right for. You know i think clint wanted to in fairness to him and he and actually he did go and do that yeah but i think things i think uh, the people had kids back here it just wasn't that easy
3: really so yeah, yeah. It, it never really happened yeah uh well i can ask you a little bit about political stuff there there was um quite a lot of politics in in your music you had that tracker uh, with a the prodigy their law and all of that and um, did that feel like an important thing to be doing at the time well, yeah that was an album on uh,
0: yeah that the whole album was um sort of political you know against all you know, the police shutting down People all the of right justice Bill and, and all of
3: that right yeah.
0: yeah so but that we never actually met we sort of met them occasionally like in corridors or so but we actually never got together to do that record at all we just all right. sent they asked us to send guitars. I think they might have sent us a, a BPM beats per minute if they wanted. I'm not even certain about that, but obviously we need to play stuff to a click. So I think that was probably sure. a BPM they sent us or uh, I think someone spoke to Liam on the phone once, probably, and that's about it. They he just said, I want some heavy guitars, some kind of populated self kind of chord, guitar, whatever. <laughs> and some vocals and the button, like, you know, not verse verse chorus, just some snatches of vocal yeah, uh, so we sent some stuff off. I think Graham put some keyboards on as well, and I think he said like with with respect, I do the keyboards <laughs> <laughs> so um <laughs> we didn't do any more keyboards. he just sent off a few riffs and stuff uh and then he just i don't think we heard it till it was till
3: we oh, got really back, just worked his genius, right, yeah, before
0: we um We've, well, we we've sent an advanced copy of, probably on cassette in those days, which apparently I've yeah. just read, are coming back, cassettes and things.
3: Oh, they've been back for a while, yeah. yeah Have yeah. they? So yeah. I know. Yeah. I know yeah. vinyl was. I didn't realise cassettes were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, really? big, it's, it's, it's a very specific kind of uh, area of music, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, blimey. I read that today somewhere. But, um, so, yeah. yes, we probably had a, an advanced cassette maybe before it was out. But, yeah, we just... Yeah, that was so it's kinda of weird. We never sort of got involved with we'd, we'd have a couple of phone calls and he'd uh, say, you know, can you do this or do that? So we set probably a fair few bits more than what he chose. Right, right. Yeah. But Clinton did the fuck and there law and um back yeah. down out of Sunday and I'd send a little sample from a film I'd watched the dark night before, funnily. <laughs> which, uh, um I'm the law, you can't beat the law bit. Yeah, And I think me and Clint... Where's that from? Do you remember where it was from? It's from... I don't. I, I, I never say stuff like this in case I get sued. But oh, I oh, it's, oh, it's with right. that, I think they... I don't think they used the sample. I think they must have got someone to redo it. Like, they, it, it's right from From right, Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe film. There think, we go. Which I didn't want to watch, but my wife wanted to watch it <laughs> just the night before. So right. I picked that out. It's a, Brilliant put it on a cassette at the centre top. But I think really? that got because the start bit, what's the start of that? What we're dealing with here is a lack of respect for the law. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's from, I think that's from Smokey and the Bandit, a film me and Clint used to watch around it. One of the first vid- when videos came out. Yeah, I remember that. Three, yeah. There was only about three videos in the shop. Yeah, was that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And probably Dirty Harry and something else. Yeah. And that's up there. But I think they've got they've got someone else to say it, I think. Oh, so I right. Think okay, to get around okay. Just to okay. avoid getting stuff like that. So I probably can yeah. say that, the, that that sample of mine that i sent was... Uh, but, I think tomatoes. it's probably Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe or yeah, something
3: like Yeah, that's great. And like a track like like be 9 Auslander, that could have been written about what's going on now, right? It could have been written last that's week.
0: That's what everybody says, yeah. I mean, yes. that, that's, that was Clint's... Uh, lyrics that was a well, song basically yeah. uh so well yeah it's always been a you know it's it's been the same really isn't it i mean the, the rivers of blood in enoch powell you know which was yeah, yeah. you know a, a big phrase back in the back in i don't even know if it might have been the 70s or something 70s you know? i guess all yeah. these things it's been you know we're talking well a long time ago, I mean, 50 yeah, fifty odd years ago, you know, it is, yeah. and everyone says it's still kind of thing. But there's some great lyrics. was really on on that, you know, great lyrics really on that track.
3: Yeah. Does it? I mean, does it feel depressing as fuck
0: <laughs> that it's still relevant today? I think everything's getting quite depressing, really. I'm quite yeah. glad I'm getting old, you know, which is a stupid <laughs> thing to say. and I can feel like my gone I can just, I mean. You know, I was a massive Jeremy Corbyn fan, and since they sort of got rid of him, I don't want to take a backward step, but I felt so up I I've been mean, I stopped being in the Labour Party and stuff like that. I stopped sort of, you know, trying to be so pissed off with politics and stuff like that. It's difficult I, I it still, to still but I'm, happy happy I'm happy. trying to take, you know, just think, oh my god, it's just getting worse and worse and worse the yeah. lies of the tories and stuff like that at the moment and stuff all this standard of living stuff that's going through the i just think they're all lying you know it's yeah. all shit, and then you get more and more involved it just gets really depressing yeah and so politically now i'm just I'm not burying my head in the sand i like to be but oh, today we know what's going on but you know it really takes it out of you
3: yeah, yeah, it can, it can. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in Japan. I'm removed, but even from this distance, you know, you, I find myself getting caught up in scrolling through Twitter, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I just wish something could take over the world and make everybody equal, and try and that's your bit of cash. That's your bit of cash. That's your bit of right. cash. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah, all have yeah. the same. That's what I'd yeah. like. Yeah. um no no inequalities no differences of people's attitudes towards me yeah
3: yeah
0: i'm an old hippie
3: (laughs) that's good man it's a good thing to be um when the so the band broke up um as they do um when the band got together um it it seems like you were one of the kind of the last people to rejoin the band from the original light
0: what happened was we did we did a reformation i think it's 2005 where we all did with with clint as well but we sort of know clint's obviously doing brilliant in hollywood with film with his film stuff and that and Mm. you know he's always said you know i feel I'm too old to be jumping around stage, you know, which is fair enough. I
3: mean, do you think he'll ever rejoin even for? Uh, no, no,
0: off? no, 100% not. No. no, no. We're all still friends. It's nothing nothing like that. Nothing, no reason like that. He's got his own thing now, you know, I don't think he's things for John. So we did those and then we did a little, I think we call it a sound bite. Would it be on a Facebook? I don't know. It would be on our, our Peter Rye Nation page. I think that yeah. we just, yeah. it was like 10. Little snippets of ten little songs, you know. And there was talk of sort of doing it, and then, but like it never really happened. Clint mm. was, you know, not that interested, which is fair enough. Although some of the tracks were stuff that we'd he'd done, mm. and um it just sort of fizzled out. And then Graham said, "You know, I want to get a version of the band back together." Mm. Um, and everybody just said, "I'd do it if we all did it," but if. You know, I didn't want to do it if everybody did it really. <laughs> We've been so close as friends and you just see we'd come a long way ten years sort of together. But it's it'd be a shame not to do it as one. But so then Gray said, Well look, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the name if that's okay, which everyone said, Yeah, of course. Mm. And you got um Mary in on vocals and, uh, and davey and Davy on bass mm. and then a couple of other guys drummers and guitar and um but then like other people seem to be in, obviously, were in other bands and session guys and stuff. So there'd come a the time there was a gig booked, but they had to do stuff, something with their other with their other bands, you see. So I think Fuzz was asked first, the, the drummer, mm. left to do another band and, like, there was a gig booked, and Grace said, Fuzz, will you do this gig? Yeah. Fuzz says, yeah, sure, yeah, great. And then, like, all of a sudden, he said to be doing the next gig and the next gig, and then Rich, the guitarist, played with Gary Newman. I think he played bass for Gary Newman. So he had a tour with Gary Newman, like 30 dates or something. Mm -hmm. So he ain't going to drop that for like two pop itself gigs in some pub in somewhere, which is obvious. So Rich Fielding, and then they were doing a gig together. And I think Kerry Ammon, the buzzard who used to play with us was doing that. But said asked me and Rich, would I just come and do two songs in the set? So I did that. Oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, Gray said, I got, we're going to Australia in a few weeks, or in a month or so. I know you love Australia, right? He said, would you like to come and do that tour? And I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Rich said, yeah. And then so all of a sudden, everybody's in the band except Clint. So that is. And... So it's gone like that. You know, Fuzz can't do every gig because obviously Fuzz is busy as well. Yeah. So we've been using um, a guy who, who Mary put us in touch with. Cliff, he did the last tour, but not the last few gigs. Fuzz did the last. So um, you know, people are coming in and in and out. But yeah, me, Rich, uh, and Gray, yeah. and Fuzz generally have pretty much sort of for the long run a little bit back in brilliant i mean are you still enjoying it yeah i am yeah we're all really close you know really friends we go way back so you know no real fallouts ever really you know it's it's unusual for bands really especially
3: 40 years or whatever yeah
0: yeah 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 Yeah, trouble is if we live so far away you know we're trying to get a sort of album going on which we've put a couple of new tracks out You know but it's quite difficult when we all live around the, round the country you know people have got other it's not like we were though we're all in a band and we're all living you know together right. almost and, you know and you sat around you know you can have a, a cottage or something mm. for a week and get your ideas together you know yeah, so easy, yeah you know we've all all got jobs or families and other stuff going yeah. on you know which is going to yeah pay the rent so uh, but oh, hopefully yeah. we get i think we really seem keen on getting an album out possibly ne- early next year would be
3: lovely uh, okay okay any exclusive scoops you can give us uh, titles no? Or, uh, no.
0: no. <laughs> well i think we plan to hopefully get a couple of tracks out uh, in the summer as well Brilliant. cool a, a double b-side gray mentioned but <laughs> i like that,
3: that's, I, that's, like the that. I like the <laughs> idea of yeah. that yeah yeah before you go, really? I've kept you a long time. I apologize. Before you go, is, fun, okay, I've got, um, a couple of questions from our Facebook page, although we've answered most of them. I think in the, I've got one that we haven't answered uh, from uh, Gil Vestanpads. who's a big Populate itself fan. Uh, he asks, yeah. uh, the thing I love about the Poppies is the uh, reinvention that came with each album. Did that make it too hard or awkward to incorporate older material into sets as time went on? As a band kind of you kind of moved away from that sound did it make it more difficult to the first album address?
0: definitely was was well like i think i said earlier that that first tour just when we saw the beastie boys and we changed that was a, a nightmare because people had already bought tickets on the strength that we were like a sort of we were going to play 22 one minute or two minute songs which is what we used God. to do we used yeah. to just blast through like the ramones that guy. and then all of a sudden we were doing probably six of those and then another eight or 10 or another eight or so with a reel-to-reel tape machine with graham running around with a handheld mic you know yeah sort of yeah. rapping and so people were like thinking and also we weren't rehearsed enough because we wanted to write these tunes so we were writing them but not playing them mm. uh, so that first two was a, a bit bad but you sort of get yeah, when you've done five or six albums, you can't do all the stuff that people want to hear. No, you of know, course. Because there's such play... a
3: mix of styles, it's difficult yeah, if to you're jump playing an
0: album, It wasn't difficult apart from if we'd upgrade our, our sort of technology, like we'd have a reel to reel tape, but then we'd go to like ADATs, which were like sort of VHS, like it's like a VHS machine. So you'd you'd play stuff on there. And we would, probably wouldn't go back in the studio to find the old tapes and put right, them on. Right, we right. just, you yeah. know, it was just studio time would probably... So by the time we were probably playing Cure for Sanity, apart from something maybe like There Is No Love Between Us, or like Box Frenzy, we wouldn't have... We, we wouldn't be able to play anything off Box Frenzy unless we brought a reel-to-reel set machine in yeah. because we just wouldn't have them on the new technology yeah. we used. I mean, we're doing... Uh, in October, we're doing um, so many tracks off box frenzy. Oh, really? None of which I think we've got of them no love again. I think we've oh. actually
3: got... see a... says, apart from, from no love, so there you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, so we've got those to do, but I'm quietly confident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now the technology sort of allows, there's like this, this stuff you can get now that like isolates, not perfectly, but you know, you can isolate drums and bass Mm. like uh, on your on the laptop you can sort of just bring the eqs out it doesn't do it perfectly and you always get some kind of spillage of vocal a little bit but there are ways of sort of doing that now without going finding all the samples
3: and stuff yeah but mm. uh I think we'll be okay we've gotta be We yeah. told <laughs> oh I'm sure it'd be great okay final question we ask to basically every every band member we interview we ask the same question uh which other band from that era would you have liked to have been in and why
0: oh god uh show me that um it depends <laughs> if you mean for making cash for <laughs> oh, yeah, a bunch it, however of people like. or writing a great album well we, we, when we first it depends what time are you talking 80s or 90s
3: again up to you up to you whatever wherever you want to go um well EMF were great too without
0: uh, in America because they were like uh, a boy band, sort of. I don't mean <laughs> that in their music, I just mean they're all like young, good looking kids. So they had yeah. the time of their life. Obviously the wonder stuff because I know Malcolm and Miles so well and Bob and what Martin mm. as well. So early Wonder stuff like I do all of them, so that would have been great. Renegade yeah. Soundwave oh. album was so what got us to use Flood As our producer, really yeah. Nice So Renegade Soundwave was something One of the first I mean, Age of Chance was a thing as well Part of the Beastie Boys The Age of Chance uh, changed us a little bit too, I don't know that, I don't know them well, that's that, And that's where we got The Designers Republic artwork From as well, from working in Fun Studio doing Box Frenzy Okay so That was another band that we really age of chance age of chance yeah i
3: don't know them at all okay when are we talking uh, uh that would be
0: probably about 87 okay again. okay i
3: have to check that
0: so, out so okay. but they were on fun. they were they they did quite they did quite well mm. they uh they covered that the date oh god i can't remember but um they covered kiss i think <laughs> that was quite so um, as did Tom Jones from Fritz today I don't know. I might have made that yeah. one. But um yeah, so I don't know about being whoever made the most cash.
3: <laughs> okay. Being the out of those? EMF, yeah. They they're the number one in America, right? They must have done they must have done all right. Yeah, yeah I'm sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i think all of right. something that I'll think of the band uh, I should say in a bit, but uh I can't remember right off. <laughs>
3: okay if you if you do uh, email happy me, mondays happy
0: mondays that that would be
3: oh that's a great answer okay that's yeah. a great answer i might have been in the happy mondays i might they have, have like the clean time, one, didn't they i might yeah. have been the clean one though <laughs> all right brilliant thank you so much really appreciate it uh giving us the time thank you so much
0: okay mate my pleasure thank you very much
3: Um, all right, so that was uh, Adam Mole. So I was flying solo on that. Um, yeah, well gentlemen. done.
1: Good interview. Thank you. Yeah, very good.
2: One thing I picked up on: I mean, the Beastie Boys seem to get cited by a lot of our guests. I wonder why.
3: Well, they're they're like they're like the coolest band ever, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I think they are.
3: Yeah, but also I think like there was a lot more musical crossover back then. So like, well, even like you know the Beastie Boys came from punk. And turned into you know hip hop band and they did all the sampling and all that kind of stuff so mm. they were doing like a, like what a lot of like the bands we've been interviewing are doing were doing as well right so it's just there's just a lot of crossover and i think hip hop yeah, was a big was much bigger than we we know because we were a couple yeah. of years later
2: i think you're right i think like you expect all these bands to sort of cite other guitar bands but it's not always that's not always the case right
3: no, but like you know, bands like <coughs> Public Enemy, Beastie Boys, these were like they, they were huge, right? And this is what yeah. Yeah, people were listening to. If we'd have been three or four years older, we we would have had like you know we would have stealing VW signs and shit like that, you know?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think we were probably just a little bit too late.
3: Although I did have a Public Enemy poster on my bedroom wall, um, just because I liked the design. I didn't really know much about their music at the time, but I just liked the design.
2: Yeah, all that stuff like. NWA and all that, um incredible music at the time. Yeah. Must yeah. have been really fresh and exciting, you know.
3: Still stands up, NWA, especially. Yeah, like, yeah. The production, great. Dr. Dre's
2: production on it. It's just so good, so good. Oh, yeah. amazing, yeah. Powerful bands not to influence you, I guess. What do you mean? I don't, that doesn't make any what sense. What does that sentence mean?
3: I don't understand that sentence. I, I, thought, I, I thought no one would notice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i think they were i meant to say too powerful not to ignore sort of thing that sort of music
1: right 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 Just something i want clarifying from the interview you know i did listen to it
2: but <laughs> I know, sometimes
1: one. i need things spelled out the def jam mm-hmm. one thing
2: the tour but what went wrong so what went wrong was
3: it was it was run dmc and public enemy
2: and they come to the uk did a massive tour and they got Pop Will Eat Itself on as like an English band. But the uh, the Run DMC and Pop, uh, Public Enemy fans were notoriously uh, hostile to support acts and then Pop Will right. Eat Itself were obviously not their sort of vibe. Although they kind of are, but it didn't go down great is what happened. Yeah.
1: That must have been horrible. Well, he talks about like it pretty well. Know, in the hiding, interview, behind
2: right? the, hiding behind the speakers and stuff, do you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: An ill-judged match-up then. Yeah. Another interesting thing I thought was talking about that song where they sampled the Twilight
2: Zone.
1: And then the same song, they used the word Big Mac, so that that was another reason why... Oh, that's Defcon 1, okay. Yeah, Yeah. Defcon 1, yeah. And Mm. so they couldn't have it on the radio because of that, and then they lost the royalties because they sampled the Twilight Zone. That wasn't the only thing, was it? That song has... My question to you is what? Because what song is that? I know I've looked it up. I'm trying to get it onto the playlist. I
2: know I know the song
1: shamelessly. I just I went on to Chat GPT and I said, "What song goes?" I typed that in.
2: How did you type that in?
1: I typed out. Like D A D A
2: D A. Yeah.
1: Anyway, it didn't know. But I did. <laughs> I did find out it was it's Funky Town.
3: I'll make a note to put it on the playlist. Thanks, man. Uh, enjoyed his Kylie story.
2: Yeah, it's good, right? See, this is what's great talking about these people, individual stories. I think always make the interviews, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, all I found quite interesting from like a techie point of view. Is the idea that they've always had the same sort of sound engineers, lighting guys, and stuff? That the show's really important to them, right? The whole pop will eat itself show. Yeah, like stuff like that matters. Do you know what I mean? Their shows are notoriously very good, even the, even uh, the live yeah. shows now. So. What if
1: the power cut had happened to them and not dodgy? There we go.
3: They would have been in trouble, wouldn't they?
2: I think they would have been fucked. Yeah.
3: Also, I think it's probably a sign that they're, that they're nice people. If you've kept the same kind of crew, yeah. it's usually Loyalty, because you're treating yeah. them like family and everyone gets on and, you know, it's, just, yeah. it's a sign that you're, you're not like a, a, a wanker, basically. You know?
2: Yeah, I think so. Stuff like that really matters, I think. If you've got someone that's been doing your sound or lights for 30 years, it's going to be good. They toured with Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. That tour mm. must have been pretty good. I'd like to have seen mm. that.
3: Uh, What was really interesting was, you know, how just how close they were with Trent Reznor. And and I think it shows that we've been, I think like up to now on the podcast, we've been kind of, we had this kind of very kind of clear kind of demarcation between the UK and the US bands. But I think there was a lot more crossover than we're kind of giving it credit for. Yeah,
2: maybe, right? Yeah, yeah, it It wasn't so
3: cut and dried. Just made me think as well. Like he said that, um, kind of Trent tried to persuade them to kind of move over to America. I wonder if they had done what, what would have happened? You know.
2: Yeah, I I think Nine Inch Nails was kind of not had its time, but it was big in early to mid nineties, wasn't it? Nine Inch Nails.
3: Mm, Downward spiral. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So I don't know. Maybe, maybe if they'd have gone over there in the early '90s, it might have. They could have been huge in America. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. Trent Reznor. He. It's not like they went after him. He. He was big fans of them. Yeah. And he yeah. he scouted them for the for his label and stuff, right?
3: Yeah, so, and apparently, like afterwards, when they when they did break up, apparently he was quite kind of instrumental in kind of mentoring Clint to kind of move right. into that kind of music and like taught him how to do various stuff and kind of mentored him, basically. And now, like, he's doing soundtrack himself, right? Trent Reznor with that Atticus Ross stuff. Again, really good stuff. Really, I think it really suits him well, the stuff he's doing now.
2: He's a fucking genius. This was just after, well, and around the same time as EMF, Jesus Jones. And although they were huge in America, right? So I Mm. guess that gave the Americans uh, an insight into the British music scene.
1: In Las Vegas? All they, in the casinos, they just play Phil Collins.
2: How's that going to get you into your, into your like, gambling mindset? It's
1: just making you feel guilty, isn't
2: it? <laughs> what do you mean?
1: It's about the homeless, isn't it?
3: Yeah, but why would that make you feel
1: guilty? Well, you start winning loads of money, feel guilty, and then think, oh, I'd better just gamble it again.
3: But that doesn't make sense, because if they feel guilty, then they're going to win your money and then take it out and give it to a homeless person
1: you're right there, there's <laughs> there, there's uh, holes in this logic I, I agree.
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually thought it was quite sad that uh, phil Collins' demise He was quite an enigmatic man, wasn't he no, what do you mean He was a fucking <laughs> shallow fucking <laughs>
3: offshore fucking Tory voting prick it was he was not enigmatic in any way
1: whatsoever who would you who would you group? pop populate itself with, you
2: know. Yeah, see that's difficult one, I think.
1: It, I find that very difficult as well.
2: I, I would say more like Ned's and those sort of bands. What about the Shaman? Mm,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well Shaman were much more kind of guitar based, right, in the beginning.
2: Yeah, I think I think the Shaman they kind of became a bit of a no- novelty act towards the end, didn't they? But they were a really good band.
3: Oh man, like like real Shaman Ooh. fans hate the uh, the chart version of the Shaman, right? Yeah. Um I I, I, I think both both are good, but there
2: you go. So do yeah. I. So do I. Yeah, Utah Saints, I guess. They supported the Shaman. Did you go to you that gig? Um, at the Brighton Centre. No, is that the event?
3: That's what I mean. I'm in the event. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With yeah, me, you, yeah. Joe Bellingham. can't mm. remember who else, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, Shaman supported by Utah Saints. It was good.
3: I saw um Primal Scream in there on their... Uh, exterminator tour
2: Brighton boy is he Bobby Gillespie
3: well he became one yeah um, I read his book um, last year it's good it's really good Yeah.
2: Brighton was a hive of indie activity around them You had Gaz Coombs Bobby Gillespie Levellers Joe Mangle that boxer Eubank <laughs> i <in> his juggernaut <laughs> what are we talking about what's a juggernaut I s- Chris Eubank bought a juggernaut what do you what mean by one? a juggernaut it's a massive lorry why were you in it? He used to drive along Brighton Seafront, honking the horn. Yeah, he was notorious for it. Yeah, he had a juggernaut. But how did you get in it? We used to his garden. He said, "Do you want to have a look at my juggernaut?"
3: I saw him in his jeep once around Brighton.
2: And then he went through a stage of walking around with a a walking stick and a monocle. A great boxer, though, no doubt about it. So if you're watching this on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. Let us know your favourite Pop Will Eat Itself songs, albums, gigs, memories, anything Pop Will Eat Itself, pop it in the comments, start a conversation. Uh, Subscribe to the channel so that we can let you know when the next interview comes out. If you're listening, then please do rate this episode, podcast, leave a review, tell all your friends. So,
1: what's on? What have we got next week? Wang, Wang, f- Wang three, is it? Wang number three.
3: Don't forget to listen to the mixtape. Um, it's another good one. Um, loads of pop stuff. Uh, stuff on there. Loads of stuff that Adam talked about. Uh, is on there. Um, yeah, Dave, do you want to do the honors? See you in a minute.
2: Oh, you cut off. Do it again.
1: See you in a minute. Good. <laughs> just, just once more, Dave. Go on. See you in a minute. <laughs>